0: This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.
1: Hey, everybody. Chris Fafalius here. It's Throwback Thursday once again here at Chris Makes a Podcast. And today we're throwing it way back to November 9th of 2020. Our guest that day was Chris Carraba, and he discussed the beloved Dashboard Confessional song from the early 2000s, Hands Down. You know, this was only the 24th episode we ever did. In fact, Next week's episode is number 124, so it was almost 100 episodes ago, and I can really hear in a lot of ways how far we've come as a show. As usual, I went in and added some more song clips, and I did a little light editing to make it flow a little bit better, but even if I hadn't done that, this episode is great. Chris Caraba is definitely one of the nicest guys I ever met in the world of music, and that really comes across in this episode. Also, towards the very end, he mentions that he's been recovering and relearning to play guitar. This is in reference to a motorcycle accident that he had, and the good news, in the event you didn't know, is that he's now fully recovered and has been out on tour recently. Okay, so now that I got that all out of the way, I'll get out of the way myself and leave you to the episode. From November 9th, 2020, this is episode number 24, Chris Caraba discusses Dashboard Confessionals Hands Down.
0: Hi, everybody. Today's guest is Chris Caraba, lead singer and guitarist for Dashboard Confessional. Chris and I cut our collective teeth in the same Florida music circles, and it was a pleasure catching up with him. We discussed the writing, recording, and legacy of the Dashboard Confessional song, Hands Down. I mentioned that the imagery and descriptive nature of the lyrics are what really makes this song special. Seeing the lyrics printed out in front of me was like reading a highly detailed poem. Chris talked about the acoustic version of the song being released prior to the full band version that we dove into here, and how polarizing it was initially to fans who loved his original take on the song. Chris explained to me why I couldn't find the official video of the song anywhere online, and how the song was given yet another set of legs years later in 2015, when Taylor Swift invited Chris to play hands down at her best friend's birthday party. Bizarre? Yes. Amazing? Absolutely. For all this and much more, Stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast? Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast? Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast? You and I kind of have a shared history here both uh being from Florida of course uh Chris uh started uh, his career in a band back in the day called The Vacant Andes his first band which I want to say less than Jake played with you guys at some point.
2: We definitely played together at, at FAU, Florida Atlantic University. Florida Atlantic
0: University. There you go. I was going to say maybe the uh, what was it, that place? The old schoolhouse in Vero.
2: <laughs> I saw you there. I saw you there, but we didn't play there. Oh, I love that place. I saw the Refuse. Th- I saw Refuse there too. That was one wild show for a place like that.
0: I could imagine. Gosh, we could talk about that place uh, for a whole episode. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, Chris went on to uh, Further seems uh, Forever and, uh, of course, Dashboard Confessional, which just was uh, a side project that turned into the uh, enormous monster that it is that it has become. And, uh, you know, I had, I had emailed Chris uh, asking about a couple of songs. Of course, uh, uh, Screaming uh, Infidelities was one of them. Vindicated was another and Hands Down uh, was, was the third choice. And, uh, Chris was, was gracious enough to say, you know what, I'm good with any of those. And, uh, I went ahead and, and picked hands down and, uh, I, I gotta tell you, uh, Chris, I, I don't get too much lyrical envy, but, uh, I envy you on this one, man. This, uh, one of the themes here on Chris to makes a podcast is, is the lyrics and how they tell a story and uh the the imagery that they produce and and man this this one is full of it uh, i've done a number of, of of shows now and uh i mean this with all sincerity these are probably my my favorite lyrics i've come across
2: wow well, thank you
0: yeah it's uh testament to uh i know that's what you're you're really known for and it's just a uh, song is is fantastic so take us back uh, i know the prior record uh in 2001 was the places you've come to fear the most. Uh, so between 01 uh, and 03, when this record, uh, a mark, a mission, a brand of scar, uh, hands downs from that record, when was the hands down actually written?
2: Let me think here. It was probably written in 2002 and it was written as a part of like a four part story of songs that was, uh, an EP called, uh, there was a limited release called the So Impossible EP.
0: And that was the acoustic version. Mm-hmm.
2: That was the acoustic version. So I imagine it was like, I want to say summer, but who can remember? Because I lived in Florida. I think, <laughs> I think it was summertime.
0: It's hard to tell seasons, right?
2: It's hard to tell. Hard to mark the time. So I think it was the summer of 2002 that I that I wrote hands down.
0: Okay, Do you remember where you were at when you wrote it? Were you sitting in your house on an acoustic guitar? Were you, were you like, I have to write a song today? Or was it one of those things that just, uh, maybe you had the lyrics in a notebook? How did, how did it come about?
2: So at that point, I didn't have my own place. When Dashboard started, I like got rid of everything and moved into my van. When I was, I remember I was like looking for an apartment. And about that same time, my mom went on vacation and asked me to house sit for, uh, for a couple of days. She went on a business trip, excuse me. And so I was at my mother's apartment, which was weird, you know, because I, was, I hadn't, lived, hadn't lived there in a long time. And I remember uh, that I had this, uh, w- there was like this it, a peaceful nature about, you know, being back home for the first time in so, so long. And I think that contributed a little bit to reminiscing about what would be the subject matter.
0: Um, cause the subject matter, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and use, I, I, I save this for a little later in the episode. Was this written from personal experience or was this a story that you, you just kind of wrote?
2: So the song, like most songs that I write, and probably, I think most writers are culling from their personal lives with a little, with a little or a lot of poetic license, but there wasn't a ton of poetic license in this song it was like kind of like a fruitful um experience it was kind of like grand enough the life experience that i didn't need to employ a lot of poetic license it just it had enough
0: on its own because there's a lot here. There's a lot of lyrics in this song. And, you know, I, I'm sure my listeners are probably sick of me saying what I'm going to say right now, but (laughs) I have said this in a number of episodes, but some of the best songs, and I'm only speaking of of the chord arrangement right now, not the overdubs and the extra production, which we'll get into, which is fantastic in this song. But, um, you know, this chord arrangement, this is a pretty simple thing that's going on here but yet you have these lyrics and this just imagery. And I've seen what this song does to your fans. It's unreal. I've seen it live. I've seen it uh, on a number of uh, YouTube videos I've watched recently when I was re- researching the song and it's just, they're living these lyrics. And um, uh, the, the, the lyrics are what brings this song just to complete life. Not that the song itself and the shell and the chords and everything aren't good, but uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I say simple, uh, not uh, in, in a derogatory fashion. Um, sometimes the best songs are, are, are what they are. They are simple, and it's just—it's all the lyrics. It's how you sing it. It's the intonation in your voice. And let's let's go into the to the first verse now.
3: Breathe. Breathe in so deep This air is blessed You share with me This night is wild So calm and dull These hearts they race From self-control Your legs are smooth As they graze mine We're doing We're doing nothing at all
0: pretty long verse. There's no, there's no pre-chorus. Uh, the the first lyric is breathe in for luck. Breathe in so deep. This air is blessed. You share with me. This night is wild. So calm and dull. These hearts, they race from self-control. Your legs are smooth as they graze mine. We're doing fine. We're doing nothing at all. So if you could set, set that first, uh, verse up for us.
2: So you have to envision that, uh, the couple are, in point of fact, um, I mean, maybe this isn't made clear anywhere in the song, but in reality, this is this is where it was. There's a party going on that I was at, that we were at, and we squirreled our, away upstairs to a room just to be alone together. And though you know there was sexual tension, and as you would expect, you know, there was something more to it. Uh, the tension, I mean, there was something. Deeper and and so the whole thing for me in that moment as I'm writing about the song is was about just like slowing slowing time down just a little bit or a lot just just to 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 take it in there was there was an import to the to the moment there was something about it that even then seemed like this is uh, an unusual thing you know like there was something special about the situation there's something special about the couple there was something special about the time and place. And even in my youth, I, th- I knew enough to try to slow things down and, and like, savor it.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's a very interest, interesting take. And now that I reread them, as you said that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you mentioned poetic license a little bit ago, when I was reading these lyrics, actually staring at them as I am right now, um this reads like a poem and um I, i'm not being self-deprecating when i say i wish i could write lyrics like this you know i have i have my strong suits and i do my thing but uh, i i i uh, envy you i envy songwriters that can do this that can paint this kind of a picture uh you know uh, it would come off really forced and corny if i <laughs> tried to write something like this and it's a uh, it's such a talent it's, it's it's really awesome what i love about this first verse is there's ways that you rhyme words uh that that, that shouldn't rhyme together uh in this. And there's there's lines such as this night is wild. And the follow-up line of that is so calm and dull. So how can something be wild and calm and dull, but yet it works? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I guess that's what I was draw that's that's what I was kind of like drawing a, a a finer point on or there's I can draw a fun, finer point on it, but I was I was kind of broad stroking it with the fact that there was like chaos going on all around. It was like an explosive night, you know, like those youthful parties can be. But as we, you know, nothing is ever one thing, right? And nothing is ever just one way. And so there was a part of it that was like, in my mind, I was thinking, Certainly when I wrote the song, and I think probably when I lived the experience that isn't literally what I'm saying here, but the spirit of it, was that uh, in spite of this kinetic thing that was going on all around us, our moment, by comparison, was very calm and quiet and almost mundane, that we chose to to slip away Uh into... You know, into our own little space that we that we found. Yeah, and it was there was a long lead up to this in the songwriting process because I'd written three songs that led to this song, and uh, so you've already heard if you've heard the if you're just following it from the EP, which it, you know I don't mean to like hedge my bets as I try to explain one song by using an, the other. No, but please do. If, if you know if you're following the other ones, you know that like both people in the relationship have gone through their own like little bits of self-doubt bits of bits of great uh overabundance of confidence which has led them both to this this period of like oh well here here we are let's be present which is like you know we were young and so that's weird <laughs> you know to <laughs> to to know to be present when you're when you're young when you're young you're thinking about next that seems to be the only thing Maybe that's one of the reasons this this moment in my life became a, something worthy of a song much later is because i I really lived and I really lived right then and there I lived right there yeah I didn't I didn't escape the moment in the moment, which is the foolishness of youth but kind of the amazing part of youth at the same time
0: Yeah, you were able to take that and harness it uh, in, in an amazing way. And, uh, just the imagery and the descriptiveness of this first verse is, is again, I, I, uh, I'm trying to toot your own horn. These are, these lyrics are, are just such fine descriptors. Uh, there's no pre as I mentioned a, a moment ago, but, uh, what, what is almost considered kind of like a pre is the very end, uh, of the verse. When you kind of, you, you, you stay low uh, range wise in your, in your, uh, voice and you kind of whisper, we're doing nothing at all. And that part could have almost, when you, when you listen to it, it, when it, when it stops there, that's the part that could have lifted, you know, we're doing nothing at all. like kind of really go up an octave, but you save going up an octave for the chorus. And that's why that chorus just lifts, you know, and there's something so emotional about the way you whisper that line, we're doing nothing at all. That just hugs at all those fans heartstrings. So talk a little bit about that. Do you remember that exact part? Was it always like that?
2: It was always like that. I don't know whether like I'm speaking to myself or she's speaking to me or if I'm speaking to her. I mean, you know how when you're singing a song night after night for your shows, you might find it has one line has a different meaning three nights in a row.
0: Okay. Yeah, of course.
2: Um, So sometimes I don't know who's speaking the line. I mean, I should say, I don't always know who's speaking the line. But I will say that um, it was conversational. And it was almost like whispered, almost like a secret. It was just really like a private admission.
0: And and then we get into to the first chorus. And this is where you go up and your voice goes. And that's why the whole thing lifts. And prior to that, the drums were, we're doing a very minimal uh, hi-hat, like kick drum type thing. And now now we're in double time. The, the band kicks in.
3: We're doing nothing at ab- all. Well, so kiss might kill me. So won't you kill me? So happy? My heart is yours to, burst, to
0: the to lyric in the chorus here is uh, My hopes are so high that your kiss might kill me. So won't you kill me? so I die happy. My heart is yours to fill or burst, to break or bury, or wear as jewelry, whichever you prefer. And again, bury and jewelry do not rhyme, but you somehow made them rhyme. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way you sang it. And that, and that's that's another thing I love about uh, this podcast. I've found that with lyrics and I do that myself. There's sometimes we call them a soft rhyme as lyricists, mm-hmm. but uh, it just works so well there. Uh, to break or bury or wear as jewelry, whichever you prefer and now is that whichever you prefer is that you directing that at uh, at your love interest here or just in general
2: i think i'm directing it at her yeah, I'm directing it at her. Uh, at least that 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 one line, whichever you prefer.
0: So you're fine. You're fine with having your heart broken. You just want this moment. You just want the chance to. Have- yes,
2: yes. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm am kind of like surrendering to the like chance that this could all
0: <laughs> go to this, hell. <laughs> this,
2: this could all go to hell fast. I mean, we like this moment that I think is really special could be fucked instantly. Yeah. Um, but. I'm willing to risk it, um, and why? Why am I willing to risk it? Because you're young. Because uh, I'm young. Because <laughs> I'm young, and I've never had an experience like this before. Ah, and cool. um, and uh, not not no no. I wasn't as young when I wrote it. I was young still, but I wasn't as young. It was a couple of years later, a couple few years later. By the time I'd written the song, I'd, ha- I'd certainly had my share of of rejection and heartbreak and also success with relationships and all that, you know, I've, ex- I've explored the gambit, gambit of, uh, the full range, emotional range or a fuller emotional range at that point than I had before. Right. But at the time of writing the song, it was, um, just the, the, the possibility, the air of possibility was special. That in and of itself is as special as how I felt about the person. And, um, you know, that willingness to to bear yourself and to pr- put yourself in a position where you could be rejected is a is a um, brave place to get to. It's not like a, I understand that some of the there's a there's more than a little heart on your sleeve in this song. <laughs> yeah, um, but it also is I find it at least to at least be it's, it's brazen and brave. Well, there's a lot of Um,
0: vulnerability going on here is what it sounds like. There is, you know, you're really, you're, you're young. It's exciting. You're first all this and that, but you're, you're (laughs) letting the person know your hopes are super high. The kiss might kill me, but Hey, I'm, I'm ready to jump in here. Let's do this. No matter, no matter what happens at what cost.
2: Yes. And I like that feeling. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's exciting. I think that's what we call the honeymoon phase, you know, and those those relationships where everything is just so exciting. Like, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to take a walk uh, down this street with that doesn't have any trees or any sidewalks or nothing? Yeah. Let's do it. It's great. I'm I'm with you. What? You want to do that? Let's do that. How glorious, (laughs) you know, I've never seen asphalt like this. Oh my God. (laughs) And then years later, you pay for a $10,000 vacation to London and you, and you hate each (laughs) other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so so uh oh man that's uh that's great it makes makes total sense i also have a little side note here i called it the guitar right speaker noodle there's a guitar part that's panned off to the right uh speaker here um, in the chorus that i just love it's this counter melody that just adds such a hauntingness uh to this chorus well,
3: so you, kiss? Might kill me. So you kill me My heart is yours to the first, to the you...
0: was, uh, was that something you thought of? Uh, was, was that something that, uh, of course, Gil Norton produced the record? I want to talk a little bit about Gil in a moment. Gil also produced uh, Color into the Shape by the Foo Fighters and uh, Futures by Jimmy e. World, two of my all time favorite records, um, as well
2: as Pixies records. Yes, yes. Gil for me. Who, you know? who, who,
0: of course, who could forget? Um, and um, did Gil bring some of those production factors? Because again, that that counter melody in there's haunting. I love it.
2: So I'm trying to remember if that counter melody is on the EP, which predates uh, working with Gil. Um, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know for a fact if it's if it existed. And you know, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I wish I could tell you that I knew the answer of like who who came up with ornamental bits at any time Cause it was 18 it, years like, ago. <laughs> and it, and it's a grab bag, you know how it is with a band, oh, you know yeah, like um, yeah. you know there's people are changing each other's parts and their own parts constantly. Um, mm-hmm. That's what uh the that's what you know being in a room with other musicians is and why it's so
0: special. I do that all the time. I'll go back go back and hear one of our songs i, I honestly don't know if roger played the, the guitar leader if i did you know because we both play in the studio and it's like did i do that i don't remember yeah
2: <laughs> I, you know like in later records like johnny and i would and aj and i would uh would sit together and like on the same take you know same track like if somebody had an idea that just like, instead of explaining it, you just hand the guitar to them <laughs> or they'd hand it to you and you play that part that, you know, those four bars and then hand it back. And that's that. Right. And um, there's a trust in there that's really pretty, really, really special. But I will tell you this. I think that that it's a very major key song with a, po- like kind of a positive, uber positive subject matter in in the lyricism. And so ornamentally, I was, I know we were I was and we were trying to to give it a little to make make sure it wasn't too saccharine.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: So there was intention there.
0: Yeah, and that provides it definitely provides some tension. I, I just love that. Um so yeah, something else I, I thought that was was really interesting, and again, going into that, sometimes it has to be simplistic, but this just gives that one chord change that I love. It's this uh in the verse, the second chord is your C minor and in the chorus, the second chord is the G minor. And that's the only difference between the chord arrangement. Was was that something that was was kind of written from the beginning, do you remember? And, and, and what was the conscious thought behind actually going to to the different chord for the chorus, but having the rest of the chord stay the same?
2: So the original EP that it's on, So Impossible, it's all in the key of E with the exception of, uh, I mean, one is in C minor, but that's E, you know. right? Oh, um, yeah. There's one that's B, but, but in the E mode for, so uh, I'm, I'm really using that key to its fullest so that the story feels seamless. But when I, when I went to the chorus of hands down as a writer, having an ascending chord pattern like that, uh, and going to the three chord, which is a little bit unusual and underused in a song like that. I felt give it, gave it, you know, you get the sense that like the thing's taken off. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do, and I didn't want to do anything really radical because I made such a a leap in the vocal range. Right.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, and you don't, you didn't have to do anything, just that one chord change, because again, this song and not to take anything away the song is beautifully written the chords and and how it's executed the, the, just the the drums and the tempo you you guys nailed it but um it's really about the lyrics and this melody it, it just just kills people it really is but to have that one chord difference uh, i picked up on it right away when i was studying the song you know and of course i heard this song in, in years past but to really sit down and go Wait, what happens there? Ooh, you know, I picked up the guitar, and I'm like, "That's neat. I love stuff like that."
2: I do too, and I'm a, and I've been a student of it my whole life. And so it was where, like, a, the the song wasn't written in a painstaking way. It really came out very quickly, as as is the case with songs that become special, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's the ones. I've said this before. You think by rights, it's the one you spend weeks or months on that will have the longest legs. But it's really the ones that kind of kind of spill out that end up really connecting with people for, you know, the most deeply and for the longest time. And I don't know why that is. Cause I think that, well, I do know why that is, you know, I, I think that there's an urgency that people just connect to. And I don't think that you spend less time on those songs that come out quickly. I think you're spending time subconsciously or on all the hundred songs you wrote before that one you'd written before that one that lead you there. But in any event, I know that I didn't toy with recording that section the only thing I, I remember consciously thinking about was the voicing of the second chord and where it sh- you know, where where it should be and how it should be held. There's no fifth. Uh, uh, the fifth is in the, is there's almost, there's a sus, there's a sus note in there in the, but it's like half diminished, strangely. Uh-huh. So, so anyways, I remember toying with the chord just a little bit, but just enough, but I knew it would be, they I mean, If I was playing it on bass, I wouldn't have changed it either. You know, when you only have one note, <laughs> you know? the root so, note. That's, that's, that's it. That the root note was enough. That that um, the simplicity here was in reaction to the fact that, like my other band, uh, and I was only recently out of, but when I started Dashboard, I was still in. Uh, Further Seems Forever was was very complex.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
2: Um, and so, some of Dashboard by design, uh, especially early Dashboard, was to allow simplicity to have its place as a as a point of strength.
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't think a song with these lyrics and the melody would have warranted it to you know warranted it to be any any you know more chords and have more stuff going on. I think it had to be this. Um, uh,
2: it's already obnoxiously in your face. well,
0: yes yeah, and your, like, and, yeah. I, and I yeah I, and I would say obnoxiously uh, and that's a good word here, you know it's in your face in, in, in a beautiful way. When we end the chorus, the first chorus, whichever you prefer, it immediately goes into verse two.
3: Don't you the Let's not get busted. Just lay here undiscovered. All the stupid questions. Hey, did you get some? Man, that is so dumb. Stay quiet, stay near, stay close. They can so we can get some.
0: Well the lyrics just continue with this imagery and this descriptiveness. And it makes you feel like you're there with what you are saying to me. Uh, The words are hushed. Let's not get busted because you're, you're hiding in a room. (laughs) (laughs) Just lay entwined here, undiscovered safe from the hour and all the stupid questions. Hey, did you get some man? That is so dumb. Stay quiet. Stay near, stay close. They can't hear so we can get some <laughs> <laughs> and that line again so we can get some is almost whispered we musicians use this word quite a bit and it's uh, uh but it's it's the sexy Thing that uh, yeah. that I know has gripped the hearts of many uh, <laughs> many <laughs> females out there, and again, it's it's that same whisper as, as, as the as the first line there. So uh, let's talk about this verse a little bit. I love that line. Hey, did you get some? Man, that's so dumb. But but that's kind of what you were there for. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more like that. That's so dumb. Is the the for me was like, is this other people's business? Yeah. so when they ask you later which they do right yeah. like even like adults ask each other this <laughs> stuff like why is that part of our our like lizard brain intact forever um, I don't know you know we try to mature beyond it but you know like if everybody falls back into it at some point you know like want to know the nitty gritty yeah
0: what did um, you do after the movie <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I took her home um, that's all
2: <laughs> so there again was me saying to or us saying to each other like hey, this is ours this moment it's just ours and you know like like they might ask you know you know did you get something this' is such a stupid question but you know what we, they're like I sure hope we do
3: and I'm things sure that
1: we gotta take a quick break for a word from our sponsors but we'll be right back with part two of our throwback Thursday episode with Chris Caraba. Looking to elevate your music
0: career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities from easily paying collaborators with splits, to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash
3: demakes. And now,
0: back to the show. Something I have to ask right now before we go any further, does the person in question in this song know that it, it was about her? Yes. 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 Cool. Cool. Okay. Was that, was that welcomed or was that weird or, cause sometimes that can be weird. Like you, you break up and you wrote a song about me and they get aggravated or, you know, I, I've seen this happen before or was it, was it welcomed?
2: Uh, it was welcomed. It was welcomed.
0: awesome. Awesome. Um, I, I don't
2: think I took anybody to task here. No, in well in yeah, I don't song. think anybody
0: could prove it was about them. I'm just, you know, you know who it's about, and that person knows who it's about, and that's all that that's all that matters.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I just, again, when I he- hear that stop there, a lot of bands, I'd be inclined to raise right there and go to that octave, so we can get some. But no, you keep it breathy, and then boom. Get some
3: well, so, so why did you kiss my kill me? So won't you kill me?
0: Chorus 2 is the same lyrics. I'm going to read them again real quick. As the first verse, uh, My hopes are so high that your kiss might kill me, So won't you kill me, so I die happy. My heart is yours to fill or burst, To break or bury, or wear as jewelry whichever you prefer And real quick before we talk uh, about chorus 2 I didn't mention and I want to uh, in verse 2 that doesn't happen in verse 1 and I love this part I call it the left speaker noodly guitar <laughs> so mm-hmm. over in the left speaker you got this counter melody that's that's really haunt the, the 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 chorus one's great but that's the haunting one all the stupid
3: questions hey did you get some Man, now you're so
0: do you remember uh how that part came about or who wrote it yeah i remember
2: there were a few things that uh gill wanted to do he wanted like the intro to come back he wanted the 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 ending section that we'll talk about next to occur again in the song uh more than once i should say and i just was thoroughly opposed to both of these ideas and i think that you know gill is a genius and so I'm not saying I was right, but I, I felt very strongly that the, the, the structure of the song shouldn't be altered. So one concession I made was uh, not a concession, but one one kind of his idea led to this this guitar bit, which is a, a kind of an echoing of the intro. Yes, but within the chordal structure that's happening now in the verse. It's
0: just this bit of, uh, as as we musicians call ear candy, that I just, uh, I'm a sucker uh, for that kind of stuff. And when it's done right and it's executed right in here, it's just, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I don't think I would have ever thought that that would have fit within the, I mean, under, quarterly it fits, but I didn't think it would fit
0: while singing. It almost feels like it shouldn't. I know what you're saying with that.
2: Yeah, so, but Gil was, was like, this is, just play it. He, I remember him saying like, just, just play it as a, like, he played back, you know, the rough track. Said, just play that, play the intro. And I was like, well, I can't play the whole intro. Let me just play this section of the intro. That's circuitous. And <laughs> whoa, this is why he's Gil Norton. Okay.
0: I know. That's, and I've talked about that on the show before the, the value of a good producer that you get along with that can just open your mind to that stuff. And a lot of times the producers, some of them are guitar players, some of them are songwriters, some of them aren't. And uh, some of the ones I've worked with at Arnold say, well, us play the intro. over," And you're like, well, it, it doesn't work. It goes to this chord. And that's kind of what you were just saying. I'm like, well, I can't play the whole thing, but I could play this part of it. You know, this yeah. part will work with it. And then, you, then the light bulb goes off at that point. You're like, holy crap.
2: <laughs> so let me just let me point out though, James Wisner produced the song to begin with when we made it on the EP. And James Wisner, just for a moment here, let me just uh, as a side, I, I've worked with some amazing producers, and some I've been in, in complete awe of, like uh, like Daniel and Walker. Sure. And some have been uh, have been you know become life, life you know lifelong friends, like Butch Walker or or uh, Adam Schlesinger before he passed. Sure. But the person that I learned the very most from uh, about music is James Wisner. And I remember when we did, hands down, that it was the first time, it was not the first time I worked with him. He produced fake and Andy stuff, further stuff, and already a bunch of dashboard stuff. It was the first time where he was like, this is right. Like, there, the, like I mean, he thought everything else I did was right in the way it was, but wanted thought, you know, but we could do this, or we could try that. I remember being shocked that he was like this is we we don't mess with this this is this is it. Yeah. this is how the song goes. And maybe that's why later when I worked with with Gil when he said let's change the structure a little bit I was like absolutely not. And I think it's because my somebody that I looked up to already so much and have Learned had learned so much from and, to, and continue to learn now as I sit here so much from James Wisner I had said like this is it this is the way this song goes
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about that getting into this last section of the song uh, I, I'm i not going to lie I probably would if I was presented this song to produce you said hey Chris what do you think of this I would be like the arrangement's weird <laughs> it is weird yeah, the arrangement's weird we got you don't hear the chorus again after this breakdown what are you thinking well, why not? You know, but listening to it as a fan and analyzing it for the show, the song is, is, is a perfect pop gem. Three minutes, 17 seconds. It it doesn't need to go anywhere from this, especially lyrically, because the lyrics, you can't go back after, after what you said here. And up to chorus two, when chorus two ends, you're at a minute and 57 seconds. So Almost. That's uh, uh, it's a little more than half the song, but the other half of the song, essentially the last one minute and twenty seconds of the song, it goes halftime in what I'm calling a a post chorus outro. It but almost sounds like a bridge at first, but it just keeps going, and it's the same riff hammering you for a minute and twenty seconds.
3: Yeah, you burn hands down the When we-
0: doesn't need to be another riff because it's the lyrics that are taking you on this ride. And I'd like to read these lyrics now, and there's quite a bit of them. But again, the story here is is just incredible. And this is the only time that we get the the, uh, title of the song in, which is great too. Uh, It's not in the choruses anywhere else, but uh, it starts out hands down. This is the best date I can ever remember. Always remember the sound of the stereo, the dim of the soft lights, the scent of your hair that you twirled in your fingers. And the time on the clock when we realized it's so late. And this walk that we shared together. The streets were wet and the gate was locked. So I jumped it and I let you in. And you stood at your door with your hands on my waist. And you kissed me like you meant it. And I knew that you meant it, that you meant it, that you meant it. And I knew that you meant it, that you meant it. And the song ends right there. But then there's and we'll talk about this we'll get we'll talk about the lyrics first but i have to mention this now uh so so i don't uh, space on it uh there's a this weird little drum hit after uh and the, but there's this certain charm and realness it almost sounds like it was another drum take uh <laughs> that mm-hmm. the drummer just kind of went and ended it's your How did that come about? That's interesting because the song just ends uh, on that uh, on the E flat, and you'd think like, okay, the song's done, and then like there's this little drum drum flam there. How'd that come about? Well, I
2: think you know, the whole thing is building with this kinetic energy. The whole—I mean, I'd never realized it was that long until <laughs> um, you said it. But gosh, that's a long time, man! Holy shit, it's um, great. It's great. So I think that you're asking your drummer to play that same groove for a lifetime and I think I, mean, I can only imagine he just wants his fucking <laughs> moment <laughs> yeah I think during uh, I gotta imagine i started to remember but I gotta imagine maybe during rehearsals that he just probably did that once and we were like oh that's how it ends I don't know for a you fact. You don't need to know. Just, I, did, I just had
0: to bring it up because it's just, it was really odd when I was like, again, I, I like to really give in.
2: But those are, the, those are the kinds of things, Chris, that like would happen. Um, maybe this happens with all, probably all bands, right? But, you know, just something odd happens somewhere for some reason. And this one could have been fatigue, you know? <laughs> um, and you go, and the rest of the band goes, that's it. And the guy doing it goes, what's it? I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. And uh I mean some, you know, sometimes you come up with something and you think this is brilliant, and th- you're right or wrong, but sometimes you just throw throw it's like, th- you know, th- throwing your pick, you know, and you accidentally hit the strings and somebody goes, "That's it." Oh, oh, okay. And in this case, you know, with the drum the drummer uh being so expressive of a dr- as, as a drummer. Yeah. Anyway, there was an emotionality to even that last little
0: Oh, yeah, and, and I wouldn't call it a flub ad lib yeah, moment in, that, my, in, my, in my notes. I wrote, there's a certain or something. Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes, there's a certain charm and realness. It just adds this extra as if the song already didn't feel autobiographical and real enough. There was this extra little, uh, you know, cherry on top. Um, this last part, again, I talked about a moment ago, uh, you know, that you meant it. And I knew that you meant it, that you meant it. The last lyric, it it, it couldn't go back to the chorus to me. It had, that's how it had to end. It was, it's the perfect ending. Um, So again, uh, as a fan now listening to the song and and analyzing it, um, it is perfect. But if I was presented this song to produce it, I probably would have sided with Gil. It is a, and and you even just said that you can't believe that almost half the song is the ending.
2: I can't believe it, but I can tell that the guy who wrote it listened to the cure a lot. (laughs) just to have just to understand that that's an option
0: yeah no no it's um but again it's almost like um i didn't even think about this or write this down just thinking of this now it's it's almost like there's two separate songs here in one it's it's really it's really neat um i I can't say it enough Uh, i really good job good job on these lyrics they're so descriptive and they just uh you know your fans just absolutely love it i i typically will ask this question during the show and i i kind of already know the answer you know this song had a life of its own on the EP before it was released. You had been playing it, so what was the reaction when you released this version? Uh, was there any uh, flack of, oh, it's not as good as the first version, or things like? Of that? Of
2: course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's polarizing. <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a polarizing thing to do. Um hmm. The reviews were mixed, of course, at best. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's funny because it became the definitive version. And I'm not quite sure who made that decision. It wasn't us. Yeah,
0: no, it's um, always the fans, right? It's the fans that dic- yeah. dictate that. What was the yeah. reaction like as a full band? Like, you remember the first time you played it? What that was like to to see the audience because they already knew the song, but now it's full band. It's a it's electric. It's live. It had to it had yeah, to so, be great. So you know, in
2: in the beginning, a dashboard for two or three years, it was just me and a, and a guitar. So just having a band was tricky and I took a really, I had a patient band, I had patient bandmates that I said, look, if we want this to be part of what Dashboard is, we're going to have to really introduce this slowly. And so they would spend a lot of the sets on the side of the stage coming up for only three songs or something like yeah. that, um, patient guys. Um, <laughs> and and uh, with Hands Down, it became this, the version uh, that you hear on mark a Um, but it didn't just go from the acoustic to that first. It went through this like process on stage where they didn't play until the coda until that, that
0: post chorus part. Mm-hmm. And they came in there. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: So, so we had some time where the song like evol- evolved in front of, in front of the live audience. And I think the live audience informed the structure, the, 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 not the structure, the structure was there, but the instrumentation.
0: Interesting. Okay. a Couple more things I want to touch on something I find incredibly interesting. And you may have the answer because, uh, uh, my producer, Chris Afalios, he swears, that there was a video for this song. Neither him nor I, Google, YouTube, we cannot find it. However, there is a lyric video that was posted by a fan in 2010 that has four point eight million views to this song, which is insane. Um <laughs> what happened to the original video? Do you know? The original video or the lyric video? Not the lyric video. So what
2: oh the original yeah, video Yeah, we can't we can't uh, find
0: it on YouTube. We Googled it. We it, it, it's like it doesn't exist. It was like it was scrubbed off the internet. We can't find
2: it. Yeah. What happened to it? Interscope happened to it. I don't you know. Um, Why? Vagrant. Va- well, I, I don't know, man. I don't work at the label. Yeah. I'm
0: kind of talking out loud. That wasn't directed to you, Chris.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you the breakdown that as, as I know it. You know, I was on Vagrant Records. Vagrant Records was an indie label. They did a partnership with uh, Interscope yeah. to kind of handle the fact that their bands were having a, their moment and and maybe outpacing their ability to fulfill orders. You know, on a very basic level, just to, you know, for instead of getting to the real nitty-gritty. Gotcha. Um, and so then, uh, so then there was, you know, some dual ownership, and uh, and then I know that there was uh, at one point there was some some battle between um, Interscope and YouTube, also Interscope, scope and iTunes. Um, these were different things at different times, but I know that they happened, and I know there was some.
0: Under, under understood
2: <laughs> yeah so so for so like you know i believe the video will be back up it had a uh, it's straight it's a really pretty beautiful it's a really beautiful video visually. i would have loved i would have uh, loved to have
0: seen it i don't re- remember it from back in the day um but uh these are the types of things chris that uh i'll let the listeners know that, that we as band guys we hate that part of the business
2: <laughs> yeah we hate it and hey, we hate it i mean like to be quite frank like i just like i don't even like making videos in the first right. place it's a thing you do, but it's not like the thing you do. Yeah. So the fact that it was gone, like that's something that never is like, Oh, I've got to get that fixed. It's like, if the song was gone, I'd be chasing it. But the, if the video has gone, I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing that I think is, is incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it just shows you how this song affected people. Uh, in 2015, uh, Taylor Swift called you uh, to play Hands Down. And, the, and, you, and folks, please check this out on YouTube. Type in Taylor Swift Hands Down. It will come right up. Uh, she called Chris to play Hands Down for her, her best friend's birthday party. just asking a random question. Do we have anyone here named Chris Caraba? <laughs> Is there a Chris <laughs> Uh, Haley Williams from Paramore was there. She joined in. It's Chris with an acoustic guitar surrounded by a ton of women. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was that like? So did 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 your manager get a call? How how did you get contacted for that? What, what, what how'd that go down?
2: So I knew Taylor for a little while. You know, she had <laughs> so I'd she posted this. Uh, that she tweeted something like uh, she, she that she was singing hands down. With you know, she was out on the road and she was singing hands down, full blast, something to that effect. On that she she tweeted, and I knew I'd be in, a, in Nashville in a few days to play a show. So I, t- I tweeted her, if you're going to be, you know, come and sing it with me. And, uh, and she did. She came to the show and we, we had a great time. Uh, we really hit it off. She is an amazing person. I really genuinely love her. I, I will go to bat for her with anybody that that knocks her i I, I think she's just the real thing she no, she is, a, she, I, is a,
0: she writes all her stuff she's amazing she's in a,
2: she's a, and she's a badass businesswoman yeah. and she is Total she's fiercely devoted to her fans I mean I'll go I could go on it yeah but the thing that was like very like oh yeah that's a different world than I'm from was like I then realized at one point when she's leaving that she, and she was talking about catching a plane, she was talking about her own plane <laughs> and that she was talking about going back on tour, which I realized only then was in Europe that she'd flown home from just to see my show and was flying back to, to Europe.
0: So not flipping, anyway, a coin with another bandmate uh, for the middle seat and coach.
2: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> not that night. No. So, um, yeah so that's how we became friendly it was just like you know on a lark you know she, she I mean I'm glad she is a f- fan of that song or the band and bo- or both but uh, you know I was I was brazen enough to just say hey come to the show and and she is uh she doesn't like I don't think she walks in this rarefied air like some celebrities do she's just like oh cool I'll come to the show oh man so anyway when she so she just reached out to me you want to come play this party and I thought well who wouldn't I mean I just said yes because um I remember people being like, well, what are you gonna charge her? This, that, and I would charge her? <laughs> like, I she just invited me to a birthday party for a friend. What would you charge somebody to go to a birthday? Like, that's crazy. People go crazy. Can I bought your jet? when they
0: hear a name like Taylor Swift, like, oh, what's your angle gonna be? Like, man, <laughs> she invited me to a party. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. And just um not that you did it for these reasons. I know you didn't, Chris, but just money, you're not even thinking that it's just you're doing it because you're just like you're you're completely blown away that this huge celebrity wants you this this song touched her and, and her friend. But, um, you know, just the mileage that, you, that you, you got out of it. I know you didn't do it for that reason, but just like the story of it, just the story alone is fascinating.
2: It is. It is. It's, it is one of those things where you where you realize, uh, uh, yeah, there's, that's top five for the stories I'll be able to tell in the nursing home.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and it's 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 eleven years, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, twelve years after the fact that the song was released that it gave the song just another another set of legs. Did the song just? It really
2: did. It, really, you the- know what? You'd, another thing that I remember from that night is, you know, Haley's a superstar, but she's she is from our world. And so I remember her like looking at me at one point, like, you believe this? Like we're here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm glad you're here too. Haley.
0: Yeah. This is,
2: this is plain. It was incredible, but it was.
0: Weird. No, I know Haley. Does, I should say unusual. Not absolutely. Weird. yeah, Haley does, does come from uh, our world. She, uh she, she was 16 years old. She opened uh, a show uh, for less than Jake at Janice landing. I remember it was just her and her father uh, came mm-hmm. out and, uh, and we 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 knew as a band that she she was going somewhere. She just uh, had oh had, yeah had.
2: oh yeah. You only had to see hear her for about a bar. yeah. Yeah, you, you she, she had
0: that star quality and she's an absolute sweetheart. But, uh, Chris, um, thank you so much, uh, for taking the time, uh, to, to, to be on the podcast. Uh, I absolutely uh, love this song. I'm uh, so proud of, of, all your success uh, in your career. And, uh, I wish you continued success. Uh, at this point, if you'd like to leave the listeners with anything, uh, uh, Chris Caraba, solo dashboard confessional, anything else you have going on you'd like to talk about?
2: I will say to my, uh, people that have listened to my music and have kind of watch the journey I've been on this year that I appreciate the many, many well wishes as I've uh, been uh, recovering from my pretty severe injuries and learning how to play, slowly learning how to play guitar again. I will say this, man, I have not forgotten how much I love music. And I'm really fighting to, to have it under my fingers again and I'm enjoying every step.
0: That's fantastic. That's great. Well, again, uh, m- much continued success to you and uh, I hope ho- hope you heal and, and get back out there as soon as you can. Thanks, Chris. Great to speak with you again.
3: Vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong.
1: Hey, I hope you all enjoyed yet another Throwback Thursday episode. If you weren't with us since the beginning, don't forget to scroll back through the back catalog and check out some of those early episodes. This Chris Caraba episode is part of a couple-month span where we had guests like Jeff Rosenstock, Laura Jane Grace, Mark Hoppus, Brian Baker, Mike Herrera, Kay Flay, Derek Wibley, Matt Skiba, Aaron Barrett, Travi McCoy, and a bunch of other awesome songwriters. I hope you all have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with another new episode of Krista Makes a Podcast. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels
0: like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards
1: gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of too much F.E. perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast.
0: I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead.
1: And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank
0: up to 11.